Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of Animals to the Max. How is everybody doing today? This is Corbin Maxey. Thank you, as always, wherever you are in the world for listening to the show. Okay, folks, if you follow me on Instagram, and if you don't, please do, at Corbin Maxey, you will know that my stories have been blown up with bald eagle sightings. So I live out uh, an hour outside of Boise, Idaho, up on the Snake River uh, near Marsing, and we have a resident bald eagle we see every single year. And this year, we have seen more bald eagles than any other year. And so we've actually seen this one particular bird. My wife and I nicknamed him Louie, and we see him flying, um, of course, over the river, hunting waterfowl. He landed in our tree in our backyard. He uh, likes to perch at the front of our little community. And uh, we don't really live in a subdivision, but our little community lane. He likes his telephone pole. And I was jogging, saw Louie. I was so excited. I ran, I got my wife, we got pictures. Upon closer inspection, Louie actually had a meal. He was eating an American coot, which are the waterfowl that we have along here, um, along the Snake River. And so anyway, we've been seeing so many bald eagles and I, every time I see one, I just get so excited. And I thought, you know what? We have to have a bald eagle expert on the show. And I'll tell you what, we, not only do we have a great expert, but we have the most famous bald eagle in the world on the podcast. Podcast today. So today we have Laura from the American Eagle Foundation along with Challenger, her bald eagle. Challenger's 30 years old. He's the most famous bald eagle in the world because he's the one that you'll see. Um, he's, he's really been doing it for years, but he uh, flies during the national anthem at several events, you know, including NFL games. Uh, he's met five living presidents. He actually bit Bill Clinton. Yeah, that's a funny story. True story. Uh, I'll try to put a link to that video in the show notes, but it was so cool. And you guys, you know, I've done a lot of these podcast interviews. I do them over Skype because I love being able to, you know, to connect and be able to look and, you know, to the person who I'm talking to visually. And Laura had Challenger, the Eagle, on the glove for the whole one hour interview. I, oh my, it was the coolest interview I've ever done. And it was so hard. And I, I'm so sorry, Laura. It was so hard to actually pay attention to Laura because I just could not take my eyes off a of challenger. He was just like checking me out. He could see me on a big video screen and you'll hear him throughout the interview actually like chipping at the microphone, biting the microphone. It's so cool. I'll make sure to post tons of photos. For all of you out there who love eagles, uh, you know, birds of prey, all my biologists, or just all of you who love animals, pretty much every one of you who's listening to the show, you are going to love this interview. Before we get to it, make sure as always to subscribe to the uh, to my channel, almost said YouTube channel. Hello. Um, actually subscribe there too, but uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating, uh, and also follow me on my social channels, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And yeah, this is so cool, man. I just, oh, I love Challenger and I actually cannot wait to work with him in the future. More details uh, if you listen to this interview, but I hope you enjoy my interview with Laura and Challenger, the bald eagle from the American Eagle Foundation. Oh my gosh. I'm in awe right Look now. Who it is. Laura, why? Look who it is. Okay, for those of you who cannot see, I'm looking at a bald eagle. I'm looking at Challenger, the famous bald eagle. I'm completely speechless he, for the first time in my life. He'll, he will talk. Just If you just wait a second, he'll talk. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So whenever when someone, someone walks in the room that he may not be maybe particularly fond of, He'll squawk at him um, and he has like a different call. Like if he's kind of like 
not cool with that person, it's a different call than if he is cool with that person. So it's really, you can definitely distinguish his calls between people for sure. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And for those of you, we were planning this, this podcast and Laura texts me. She's like, well, would you like challenger on the podcast interview? I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, oh, he likes to chew on the microphone. For those of you who can't see, he is chewing on the microphone. He's speaking on the microphone. Okay, I have nonetheless. To, I have to do this on my Instagram story really quick. I seriously cannot believe this is insane to me right now. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, I mean, oh my gosh! Hi, Challenger. Do you think he could see Say me? Hello. <laughs> he can see you. Oh yeah, I'm looking right at the big screen, so he can see you. Really? Oh, how big is the screen? Oh, uh, you're on a computer monitor. Oh, apparently. I was like, yeah, I have a pretty big nose, similar to Challengers. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Thank you uh, so much once again for for doing this, Laura. You have no idea. This is like literally, Absolutely. this is a dream come true. And by the way, I've done several podcast interviews and the coolest one so far, I did a podcast interview with this guy called Joe the Batman and he had fruit bats in the background, but this completely takes the cake. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> Fruit bats would be pretty cool, though. That's, were they just, like, hanging from his ceiling? Yeah, they were just like, hanging. Written? Yeah, they were just hanging in the background in an exhibit, and they were, like, super loud, but this nothing is majestic as a bald eagle. By the way, did he just go to the bathroom? Oh. <laughs> well, he. I think he did. I think he tried, but no, he didn't. Oh, but he, he will go to the bathroom, trust oh. me. At one point, probably during this <laughs> this interview, he'll definitely go. Well, you know what? My, so. tonight, my tonight Show producer said poop equals rating, so finger crossed. <laughs> Hey, it's always exciting when people see poop. I'm telling you, you yeah. it really gets people going. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your organization, the American Eagle Foundation, and a little bit about yourself. I cannot wait to dive into this because this is just, uh, oh, it's just so incredible what you do. Well, thank you. So yes, so I am with the American Eagle Foundation, and we are a 501c3 public animal charity. We care for um, anywhere from 70 to 80 non-releasable birds of prey here at our center. We are located in Pigeon Forge, um, Tennessee. So we and we actually headquartered inside Dollywood. So Dolly Parton has been one of our biggest uh, sponsors since 1991, and she uh, brought us here in 1991 to start the Eagle Mountain Sanctuary and the Wings of America Bird of Prey show inside Dollywood. Which, if you haven't come see that Corbin, you have to get down here and see it. Yeah, so. I was I I've only been to Dollywood as a kid. I loved it. I was in heaven. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's this beautiful amusement park. But it's it's, it's more than just like a <laughs> challenger's biting the microphone. I love it. <laughs> it. It's more than an amusement park, though, right? You know, they have the bird Absolutely, show, yeah. and it's like a little. I, I I love it. Such a neat park. There's a ton of shows. I mean, there's a lot of stuff just native to this area um, to sh really showcase what this area offers, but. But yeah, we have an amazing um, full bird of prey show. We do four bird shows a day there um, during the um, regular season at Dollywood from March until, I guess, the end of October. So that's just one par portion of what we do. And our headquarters is actually just outside the park, um, about a mile away. And this is where we house the remainder of our educational collection. Um, so we do a lot of public outreach, public education. We also do um, rehabilitation. So we have a rehab center here. Um, we don't do a ton of the major medical care here. We actually have the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. It's their exotic avians department. And they do all of our intake for any of our patients, whether it be eagles, falcons, hawks, owls. And then they come here afterwards as more kind of like a, a, a hotel to, to get well. And then we do all the releases back into the wild. Oh, so, great. Uh, and then we also have a captive breeding program, which I didn't know if you knew that. No. So we... We have uh, several non-releasable bald eagle pairs who are all non-releasable as well. 
And they all, many of those came from the San Francisco Zoo when they shut down the program there. But we breed eagles every year, and we take the babies and release their babies into the wild as effort to repopulate the bald eagles in the southeast part of the United States. Wow. So. That is – and I'm just looking at Challenger. He look, he's such a pro at this. I mean it, it, almost, <laughs> it almost seems like he's enjoying it. He's just like – he's so content. I've never seen anything like it in my life. He is content. So – I mean, he literally, this is not bothering him one bit. Um, normally, we do a lot of studio shoots like this. We have a live broadcast we do as well. So there's all kinds of lights and cameras always in his face, and he's just so used to it. I mean, he's been traveling across the country for close to 25, maybe 26 years now, and he's been in all different sorts of situations. And I guess it's just really allowed him to get used to being in areas where people are, equipment, loud noises. I mean, you name it. He's just super comfortable bird. And you can tell when a bird is stressed, usually they'll open their mouth and they'll begin to pant mm -hmm. and they'll have like maybe hang their tongue out a little bit. Uh -huh. And that shows that they're stressed and challenger. I don't think I've ever seen him do that. So wow. he obviously is very comfortable and at ease, um, especially now. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about challenger and I'm sorry, I'm like trying oh. to look at you, but I can't stop looking at the bald eagle. <laughs> Uh, I get that all the time. Oh, really? Worry. Yeah, you're, I mean, oh, no, yeah. you're not bad to look at, but no. I, <laughs> I think it's bad to when Challenger's in the picture. I, I can handle that. That sounds so. good. He but, agrees. He agrees. Yeah, right? So let's talk about Challenger. How did the American Eagle Foundation acquire Challenger? Because you didn't just go out in the wild and capture him. He has a story behind it. Absolutely. He has a really incredible story. So, And we tell his story all the time to people. I mean, I've probably told this story at least 300 times in my lifetime, but um, it's always exciting to tell. So he was born in Louisiana or hatched in Louisiana um, in a nest, in a wild nest. And there had been a storm and it blew him down to the ground. Some people found him that day and they took him home thinking that they would save his life. And they did. Um, but what they didn't know is that if you feed a, a baby bird in full human view, that bird becomes confused. So they did feed him in full human view, and he became so associated with people at that point in his life during a very crucial time of development. Uh, he was transferred over to the Audubon Zoo of New Orleans um, when they realized they couldn't care for this bird. And they did their best to feed Challenger the way they're supposed to, proper protocols. Uh, they did release Challenger to the wild, but... Um, on that first attempt, he was found near people begging for food, very emaciated. Mm. Um, he was turned back to the state in which he was released, which was actually Alabama at that point. And he was released again after they fattened him up a bit. And he landed in, a, in Nashville, Tennessee on the second time. Um, and a guy on the fishing dock had saw Challenger land next to him on the dock. And Challenger was approaching him, obviously just squawking, begging for food. But the guy was very frightened. He didn't know if the eagle was attacking him. So in self-defense, he picked up a stick. He was almost beat Challenger. Oh. And another man, luckily that day, was right there, saved Challenger's life, stopped the man from hurting him. And when the state got him back, he was again and very emaciated, obviously not eating or hunting on his own. So the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service said this bird cannot survive in the wild. Um, and at about one year of age, he was transferred to our facility in Nashville at that point and given to us for permanent care. So we got him when he was one year of age, so in 1990. Uh -huh. And this year, he turns 30. So oh, he's as old as me. What do you think me. about that, Challenger? <laughs> yeah, he is, he's up there in, in eagle years for sure. So, How long will a bald eagle live? Because I saw, I saw conflicting information online. So you're, you're the eagle expert. Let me know. 
So what we tell all of our staff and what we kind of, as a general rule, we like to say that bald eagles in captivity could live to be about 40. Mm. Um, it could be more or less. So we've had an eagle in captivity that lived to be 48. Wow. So it shows that they could even live up to as old as 48, um, possibly 50 if they're really, really good health. Um, and then in the wild, a bald eagle has a lot shorter lifespan, you know, around 35 or under. Okay. So I think the oldest banded eagle that was found in captivity lived to be 38. Oh, wow. Or, I'm sorry, in the wild, in the wild. Sorry. Oh, okay. No, you're fine. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. And let's just go back really quick because there are some, like, yeah. I, I've had some wildlife rehabilitators on the show that say, if you see an animal like that, leave it alone out in the wild. What is your advice to anyone? If you see an eagle that has fallen out of the nest, what do you say to somebody? If you see an eagle falling out of the nest and clearly the parents are nowhere to be found, um, that's a very tricky thing because you got to be very careful when you're dealing with a, a baby animal like that um, if, you, if it wants to have a hope to be releasable. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's, if it's clearly injured, we always say if there's a clear injury, either call us, mm-hmm. um, but if they're not around any type of raptor center, um, they can – you know, carefully with a towel, maybe grab the animal, um, put it in a, in a large box and take it to this closest veterinarian mm-hmm. um, and then get it away from them as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. I would not recommend them taking it home, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, but if it's a, if it's an adult falcon or hawk, you know, we, we do always advise if someone does find them, be very careful of the talons. First of all, you could get grabbed, but if you want to throw a towel over it and somehow scoop it into a box safely and get it to a veterinarian or a ra- raptor center, do so. But yeah, we had a uh, we had a great horned owl fly into our chicken coop last year, and it was oh wow yeah and it, I mean I've worked with I, mainly Eurasian eagle owls, but I've worked with ones that are you know trained on the glove. So I actually I called uh, I called my good friends who work at a raptor rehabilitation place because I'm not an expert in you know rehabilitating the raptors, and so we had someone come out and right. help us out. But it is it is intimidating. They said you know you have to watch out for the talons. Yeah, oh they they can hurt you. I mean. uh a great horned owl has incredible pressure in its talons, like 400 pounds per square inch oh in each foot. So, yeah, yeah, well, they can hurt you. Great horned owls are very powerful. So, did he just fly into your barn, and was he trying to like, or was he trapped in there? Was he hurt? Yeah, no, he he was hurt. It was really sad. Okay. What happened? And this was actually a male, so he was smaller. Um, he was uh-huh. obviously he was starving, and this is after the wildlife rehabilit- uh, rehabilitator came out and assessed him. But he had, I think, he had been hit by a car, had a wing injury. Okay. He, he was non-releasable. They actually had to euthanize him. So it was a really sad situation. He was, I think, the last desperate attempt of just like trying to get his last meal. Um, which he wow. didn't actually. And he, yeah, we just found him in the coop and it was like, oh my, you know, we, all the chickens were inside the coop and he was in the outdoor yard. So we knew something was wrong, um, <laughs> that there was a predator. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and I have a question. Are you, are you resting your arm? Cause you're holding him. Are you resting your arm or just holding it up? Um, it's actually side. sitting on my leg. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Kids, you're like, I was going to say, cause I've had to hold birds of prey for a long amount of time, man, they are heavier than you. I mean, you can feel it in your arm. <laughs> Oh, uh, if I was standing up right now holding him just normally, mm-hmm. I could only probably hold him for 30 minutes before, before my arm was starting to burn. Like I was in like literally mid-workout. But um, I, I know you've held um, Eurasian eagle owls, mm-hmm. which are probably only about three to four pounds, I'd imagine. Yes, yes. Maybe right. less even. They're uh-huh. pretty big, but uh-huh. uh, Challenger's about seven pounds. He's seven pounds. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he's one of our smaller eagles that we have. Um, he, so his weight fluctuates between six and seven, but we have other female eagles here that they're up to like 14 pounds 
in wow, size. Wow, so double, like literally double his size. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that. And I was telling my wife because we have a bald eagle that lives in our backyard, which we can get to later. But I'm pretty yeah. sure I think it might be a male because it seems a little smaller to me. And she didn't realize that. And the birds of prey that the females are a lot bigger. So are the females twice as big? You said as the as the as the males. Not always. They can mm-hmm. be twice as big. Uh-huh. Um, it also depends on where they geographically are are from originally. So if okay. you have a southern bird, they're going to be smaller than a northern bird. And then females are obviously larger than the males. So if, if, an, if a female is born in Florida, her size is still going to be smaller than a female that was born in Alaska. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. Okay. Very interesting. And let's... So Corbin, I want you to make sure you watch. He's preening himself right now. Oh, so wow. He's just... He just preparing himself for the cam he's just picking at himself <sighs> fixing his feathers oh my so, god this is another sign that birds are really content when they start to do that so i've never seen an eagle so content and i've worked with them before like golden eagles or you know i've worked with the owls but i've never seen one so content in, in my life and i've been doing this for a long time so well now you can see why he's so famous though and why he's so good on all uh, all these things that he does because He's good on camera and he's behaved. <laughs> yeah, well, we, I actually found you. So I did a social media post because the Eagles were playing. Um, they were playing a game and I thought, I thought I heard that an Eagle has flown, you know, through their games. And I just did a quick Google search and then I found the world's most famous Eagle. So tell everyone, my listeners, why Challenger is so famous because he's the first Eagle that does what? Yes. Yeah, so Challenger's claim to fame. He is the most famous Eagle in the world, I would say, probably. So he is the very first Eagle in, in history or I guess U.S. history to, uh, be trained to free fly into stadiums during the national anthem. So he did his very first event in the mid nineties around, I think it was 1996 um, at the, at the Olympic stadium in Atlanta. So that was his very first flight. We actually had to audition for the flight because the producers were like, what are you talking about? An Eagle who flies. I mean, that's (laughs) just unheard of, you know? So we, we actually auditioned before we even got hired for that and they loved it. And from there, the rest is history. He's been a busy, busy bird for 25 years now. 20, wait, wait, so. now, now, hold on, Laura. Are there other eagles auditioning for this? <laughs> or is it just Challenger? Like, I, I'm assuming for, the line of eagles just waiting for this coveted spot. Now, back in that day, there was no other eagles competing. I think there wasn't any other eagles who did what he did until Auburn obtained their eagles. And mm-hmm. Auburn does fly eagles during their games as well, but only at their games. And then uh, there has been a couple others that have... I've done similar what Challenger does in the past few years, but up until, you know, just about five years ago, he was the only one that did anything. So, so how do you train like with, with that behavior, when you have a stadium full of people, what is the process of training Challenger to get used to obviously, you know, visually, you know, auto, you know, think about the noise, like uh, there's so much distraction. How do you train a bird to do something like that? Well, we just put him on autopilot. (laughs) you know how easy that would be he's okay just kidding no so it takes a lot of work obviously you know the the beginning steps in training an eagle is first just getting him comfortable flying from one person to the other and just small steps and then and then the process with challenger was we just started getting longer distances longer distances taking him to different places like fields and places he's not normally used to flying in and then from then we would go to high school stadiums and then to college stadiums that are empty and then eventually you go to these larger stadiums that are empty so really leading up to that you really have to know that he is keen on what he is doing he knows what his job is he knows that he is going to get rewarded when he comes to that glove you know we we do all of our training with positive reinforcement so whenever he flies to me and he lands on this glove he's going to get a reward and he knows that um so this is a glove signifies 
his next meal and he wants to come there. And then in addition, if you couple that with the trainer um, animal relationship, the bond you guys have or the trust that you've built, that also helps as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's nerve wracking, though, Corbin. I'm telling you, like when you're in a stadium and you've been rehearsing it. So we'll rehearse the day before a game. Always in an empty stadium, you know, we rehearse with if there's a flag and we'll try to rehearse with any other elements that may exist during the national anthem. Um, and so we'll do many rehearsal flights and we usually know how he's going to do by those. You know, he, we can see that he's, you know, knows where he's supposed to go. And we always fly him from point A to point B. We never do like, um, you know, we let him choose his flight path from point A to point B. Basically, mm -hmm. we don't dictate where he goes in the stadium, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, but once you add in that crowd, I mean, it's, it's nerve wracking and it's exciting all at the same time. Uh -huh. And he knows the national anthem at this point. So he's been doing this for so long that you can tell during the part of the song, right before he's going to fly, he starts to get really antsy and anxious and he, and you can tell he's ready. And then as soon as, and then he goes and it just, it all works out. And he just, I guess he kind of avoids or uh, draws out, drowns out the crowd and just focuses on where he's supposed to go. So. Wow, I just got chills. I mean, even every time I hear the national anthem, you get chills, but I can't even imagine oh. seeing it in person with Challenger just flying over. It's just like, oh my goodness. It's really incredible. It is. So, yeah. Now, is, has there been a time, because I work, uh, you know, as you know, with animals on TV, and a lot of times things do not go uh -huh. as planned. <laughs> has there been a time where you have a stadium full of thousands Ooh. of people? I'm sorry, you're sweating. Has, <laughs> has there been a time where, you know, they start the national anthem and Challenger's like, I'm uh -huh. sorry, today is not my day, and he, he hasn't flown? Has there been a, has he done that? Funny you ask that question. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> we like to say that Challengers have succeeded 99% of the time. So, okay. but there have been a couple blooper esque um, escapades, which we actually just talked about on Tuesday on our on our on our broadcast here. Um, we talked about some of the most exciting moments Challenger had in his history. So I can tell you a couple of those because we um, just talked about those. So obviously the most recent one that we did experience, and it clearly indicates that an animal like this, even though he's trained, he's still a wild animal. And we flew him at the Minnesota Twins season opener last year. And uh -huh. I don't know if you've heard about this, Corbin. Oh, I think. Okay, um, go ahead. I think I might have heard this, but go but ahead. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a little teaser for you. I know the, I know the viewers can't see, but I'm showing a, a little bobblehead doll here. Um, <laughs> and, oh, the most important part of it, Corbin, I just knocked it off. But this bobblehead doll has an eagle sitting on its shoulder. Do you see that? Yeah, I can see that very oh. well. So um, we were we 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 were meant to fly him from the outfield to uh -huh. the pitching mound where myself and Al Cissery, who was who just retired last year, um, he was the founder of the foundation. We were on the pitching mound um, ready to receive Challenger, and our rehearsals went like clockwork. You know, he knew exactly where he was supposed to be going, but during the actual game, the the Seattle Mariners pitcher um, James Paxton, mm -hmm. he was all alone in the outfield. He was practicing which they do that but during the anthem instead of leaving the field he just stayed in the field so he was the only guy in an open green field standing there um <laughs> okay with his hand behind it probably probably looking very poised like we would and uh challenger thought that would be the easiest target to land so he decided <laughs> to land on the ground next to the next to the pitcher and then he proceeds to jump onto his shoulder twice oh uh while the anthem was going on um and Al and I, the reason why he didn't see us as well is because during that moment in the song, a bunch of media kind of 
ran out right to where we were. So we kind of blended in with the, with with a media crew in a sense. Uh-huh. So it was we were kind of in a sense not so visible to him. And he said, "Well, that guy is really visible. He looks like he could feed me." So he landed on Paxton, and it was actually big media news. Big media news. Trust me, but didn't didn't hurt him at all, and just simply wanted him to feed him. So. That's an example of anything can go wrong even after 24 years of flighted appearances, you know. So that was the one example that we just most recently had to deal with. So. Yeah, but what did Paxton do? Was he, like, okay with it? So I haven't seen the video. He was not bothered. Like, really? So he just kind of hunched over. He kind of hunched over and let Challenger jump back off of his shoulder. And then one of our own, Connor O'Brien, he ran up as soon as he could and grabbed Challenger, of course, and he didn't even rip his shirt. And of course, the media takes it as this eagle attack, this eagle with <laughs> the pitcher, and and so we definitely had to put a statement out there saying that in no way was he attacking or mauling. Challenger was simply wanting his meal. That was the the goal there. And after the fact, um, Paxton did a really cool interview. Um, a post-game interview, which if you ever wanted to watch it, he was really cool about it. And they made a huge joke about the fact that Paxton was a Canadian and he was playing in, in America and that challenger pointed him out because he was an American. So <laughs> that was kind of the play off they did with that whole thing. So, Oh my gosh, that's funny. Well, at least, at least challenger flew. Like I didn't know if there was a time that like you got the anthem came and everyone's waiting for the Eagle and challenger's like, I'm sorry, today's not my day. <laughs> So I've only been working for the foundation for 12 years, but I think there may have been a time where he did do that. And uh-huh. that was probably just, in a it may be toward the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, that definitely has happened probably as well. We, so. uh, I don't know why this brought, I, this memory came to me, but I was working with this talking parrot on the uh, Today Show in my, in, uh-huh. in, in my early years. And we had Hoda and, you know, Kathy Lee and, you know, we're pitching uh-huh. the producers like, oh, this parrot is the best behavior it talks. So of course, live TV the parrot is just looking at Hoda and it just like, come on, they're like, speak. And it's just like looking at her like, I'm not talking. And it was, so I, I had to make so a it joke. So it didn't do it. Oh no, it didn't do it. So I had to make a joke and I said, oh, it just must be your hair. Cause Hoda has a, had a giant hair. And then Kathy Lee said, oh, <laughs> did, did it look like a nest? And so it actually, it turned out to make like, they thought it was so funny, their best of clips. But yeah, I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, you just can't control what's going to happen when you do these segments. You can't. And I mean, uh- I, one other funny quick story, which you yeah. have to know this, is he actually bit Bill Clinton. What? Yeah. So um, in 1999. <laughs> so he's he's not the only one. The, okay. Go ahead. No. Yeah. And, and when, when the bald eagle was removed, well, they were announced the removal of the bald eagle from the endangered species list in 99, even though federally it wasn't delisted until 2007. But in 1999, they had a ceremony in the White House lawn and – Challenger attended. He was on the stage with President Clinton and a bunch of inner city kids from the Earth Conservation Corps in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting on a perch at that point during the ceremony. And But Bill Clinton came up and put his hand right on the perch about a foot from Challenger. Challenger just takes his beak and just goes down and bites him. And oh it was God. nothing. It didn't draw blood, but it, it's it was all over the news. And they repeated that clip over and over <laughs> and over again. But uh, pretty, uh, pretty funny. So, was- again. Was reason why you don't want to touch these guys. Was Challenger, was he the bald eagle with Trump when Trump tried to hold the bald eagle? Did you see that? Was that him? He was not. I oh did. It was God. not Challenger. No. For those of you who haven't seen I don't you, know where that eagle came from. You have to see this video of President Trump trying to get a photo with the bald eagle, right? And it just, this eagle is not having it. Like... <laughs> 
he was not cooperating. I remember watching the video, but yeah, no, Challenger probably would have cooperated actually. Were you yeah, were so. you like were you cringing just like who put that eagle on the president? <laughs> I don't even know who those people were. I, I guess I haven't looked into it enough, but uh anyhow. Yeah. Yeah, that was not Challenger. Uh, okay, but he good. has met five presidents, including five, Trump. Five presidents? Yeah, he's oh met uh, five presidents. He's attended a couple of presidential inaugurations. Wow. So so have you been to the White House? Like, what is that like? Have you been to the White House with him? I have. Um, oh, I was oh. actually there in 99. I was okay. 13. Wow. I 13. Um, but, I, so, but I've been to almost all the events that he's gone to. So, Okay, hold on. What is it like going to the White House with a bald eagle? <laughs> Pretty cool. It's like the it's like the I don't know. It's when I I think the first time I went I was a little younger, mm-hmm. but I've been multiple times. Um, but it's really it's just like oh my gosh, this is amazing because first of all you get to meet cool people, but everyone wants to meet the eagle, so you get to talk to people that you wouldn't normally get to talk to. But it's 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 pretty incredible. So, yeah, but what is I, I'm sorry, just out of just out of curiosity because I can't imagine they'll ever let me in the White House. So what? <laughs> like... Oh, security is tight. Trust me. Right. So what is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how how long is security? Like, I is that just you know? Typically, when you have an e- when you have Challenger, you get through things a lot quicker than you would think because uh-huh. it's Challenger. Um, you know, they have to obviously check out and inspect all of his kennel. You have to get him out of the kennel, inspect the kennels, and I mean, really though, it's not too crazy. I mean, they usually are all want to take pictures of the eagle instead of so it's to their job. You know, any security situations because we've done a lot of high profile events where we've had to be. You know, security has been crazy. It's really fairly easy when you have a bald eagle, I'm telling you. I mean, most of the time, people, the people who work in security just want a picture with the eagle. <laughs> so they're a little distracted, uh-huh. but uh, they do their job nonetheless. You know, at the airport, we go through security at the airport all the time, and they always ask us to get the eagle out so they can swab the kennel. And I will tell you, Corbin, one time, one security at, I don't even know what airport it was, they said that we need to frisk the eagle. Oh, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. say what? Say what? What do you mean? Chris the eagle? <laughs> what? <laughs> He's like, well, I've got, we got to make sure there's nothing under his wings. And I'm like, are you being serious? So, so literally <laughs> oh. we let the guy frisk the eagle cause he wouldn't let us go through unless he did. Um, so we just had challenger open his wings like this so he could kind of see, and he put his hands up there and we tried to make sure he didn't get bit. But I said, Hey, if you want to check it, you you get bit at your own risk. Okay. Cause he, he does bite. So that is but uh that was unusual but hey they're i think that was maybe during a really critical time though and they really had to really do their job you know so i just got i can feel challenger's pain i just got checked from coming back to mexico and i've never been more felt more um violated in my life it was in front of my <laughs> wife and I, he was moving around things and i'm just like what and i can't believe this is i'm <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe I need to edit that wow. out. But I was just like, what, they do this to people? Like, I had never been checked like that before. I mean, it was, anyway, what a job. So, anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that but, re- yeah, so, but, White, but White House security, you know, I don't, it's hard to remember that far back because that was a long time ago when I was there. Let's see. We did the presidential inauguration as well, but that was more at the Lincoln Memorial, I think it was. Okay. Not the Lincoln Memorial. It was not at the White House. So, that was more recent. That was when Obama was elected for the first time when we went to that that event. So, but yeah, he's he's he gets around. He's he's met a lot of people. I mean, the doors that this bird has opened for our foundation specifically is so numerous. It's hard to count. You know, the the amount of things that because of him 
we've been able to accomplish and get our mission across and, and reach people. So, and that's what his, that's what his role is. I mean, he's an ambassador for his species, you know, for those who can't speak on their behalf, he makes those appearances and opens the door for people to be educated and for them to be made aware of the situations that, uh, um, these guys have dealt with for, you know, a long time. So. Yeah. And let's talk about that because they were on the endangered species list. Let's talk about what was going on. When did their decline start and why? Um, Their decline started, um, in the you know as soon as humans um, as soon as man started to develop the United States that's really when when the, the decline started and they used to shoot these guys in in the early early days for fun I mean they probably even u- used it for food in the beginnings but it really really declined in like the 1960s 70s um, obviously habitat destru- destruction was happening more prevalently um, and DDT was introduced, and I'm sure you've heard of DDT. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a chemical used by farmers, um, a pesticide on the crops. But it really affected the bald eagles and the peregrine falcons alike because what would happen is the DDT that was put on the crops would get washed out into the waterways. The fish would ingest that. And ultimately, fish is what these guys eat. Mm-hmm. So they would eat the fish, and though it wouldn't affect the adult eagles, what it did is it prevented the eggs from actually hatching because the eggshells would be so brittle Mm-hmm. before they could hatch and they would all break. So because there was no new eaglets being brought into the world, the, de- the decline happened very rapidly. Um, of course, people are were still illegally shooting these guys as well. So um, the bald eagle, I think, got to like an all-time low of like about 400 nesting pairs in the early 400? 70s. 400? Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. Before it was, you know, thousands and thousands of them, you know. So, yeah, so it, it got really low and... Thankfully, they, the bald and golden eagle act was created. Obviously, they became a protected species. DDT was banned. And it's taken from that point until it was removed in 2007 from the endangered species list and threatened species list mm-hmm. um, to really bring these guys back from the brink of extinction. So they've really recovered. I think there's over an estimated over 15,000 pairs now today. 15,000? So, an incredible story. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, every time I see one, it's just like, I it takes my breath away. And I know it sounds so cheesy, but I, there's just something about them. And we see the same eagle, and it hunts in our backyard. It hunts the 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 uh, our our river coots, and so they love eating the you know the waterfowl out here. And it's just like, oh my goodness, they're so. Majestic. And you live on the river. So I live on the river. Yeah. yeah. Do they have a nest near where you live? So I don't, I've never seen a nest and here's, and I wanted to ask you a question since you're a resident bald eagle expert. We only see them around. No, you're, you're holding a bald eagle. So you're more of an expert than me. Uh, So my question for you is we only see them um, around the river in the winter time. And is that because of the prey? Because the coots usually aren't there in um, in the summertime. I don't know if it's because of the prey um, or I, I don't know, you know, they migrate somewhere. What are your thoughts on that? Winter is in what months usually, like up until like March? So the, the, the peak season when we see them is like January, like late December, January, February, and then I don't think we've ever seen them in March. Interesting. So they're only there a few, like three months then. Yeah, yeah. And, and, so, yeah, okay. Go ahead. So I guess in that case, if you're only seeing them for like that short a period of time, uh-huh. I wouldn't say there's they have a nest there because if they did have a nest there, they would be there for the majority of the year and uh-huh. they may leave. So leave for a few months. So I'll give you an example. So in Florida, we have a, a live eagle cam on our, a nest in Florida, uh-huh. um, which is another part of our mission. Mm-hmm. And um, those eagles are there from late August until about 
uh, I guess early summer, sometimes mm-hmm. September to early summer. So they're gone for about a two and a half, three month period. And we don't know where they go, but they they leave the nest completely and they're, they just, they're gone until they're ready to start their next nesting season. So what you could be seeing too, is a pair that's just away from their nest for like a three month period to go somewhere new and to, you know, I don't even know. So the, the, the migratory patterns where you are are a lot probably different from down here in the South too. So um, yeah. I don't know where they're coming from, but if you live on a large lake, I wouldn't be surprised though, or a river, I wouldn't be surprised if there are several nests out where you are. Um, well, I, I keep on thinking it's the same one. We've actually named him Louie. <laughs> it probably could be. I mean, you never yeah. know. Have any, um, have any nests been reported or sighted in your area at all? Have you looked no, into that? No, I haven't really looked into it. I do know we have a great osprey nest up here, which we see, and they come okay. back year after year. Um, but yeah, we've only seen the eagles in, in the, in, in the wintertime living out here. This is our third year here, but we've never seen Louie. We've never seen Louie so close. He's a comfortable bird and we must be in a great hunting area because he always, Every day he has a Obviously, yeah. yeah the waterfowl. Is that the majority of their diet, the waterfowl, or do they primarily eat fish, or does it depend on where they're you know where they're found? Um, you know they they will eat waterfowl, um, uh-huh. coots, ducks, those uh-huh. types of things. But uh, I would say majority of their diet is fish. Oh, okay. Uh, and believe it or not, um, eagles are also very much scavengers. Yeah. So yeah. they will scavenge too a lot. Okay. So that's why a lot of people will see them in dumps, um, getting food and things like that. Another reason why bald eagles are affected by lead still, because they will go and find carrion to eat that possibly have been shot um, with, you know, with lead, with mm-hmm. lead shot. So um, that's just in a way that they are being still affected by lead poisoning. So yeah, and I was, but, I had a, but yeah, I, they definitely are scavengers. You know, they'll, they'll they'll see those turkey vultures follow them. So. I had a podcast guest who lived in Alaska, and he said the bald eagles were so numerous outside of, like, dumps and, like, even outside of a dumpster at McDonald's. They were like pigeons, and I'm like, what? Like, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Oh, yeah, the bald eagle population in Alaska is flourishing, and they've never had an issue, but I think a lot of times people up there do, you know, refer to eagles or see them more like just pests in a way because they're everywhere. Um even though they're definitely not, but they do. They scavenge on in, in public areas for wow. food up there. So, Well, and I don't think we should look. Some people look at scavengers as a bad thing, but they're so beneficial for the environment. Vultures are oh. one of the best. I mean, you know what I mean? They, they're, they're extremely the, beneficial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Helping clean up stuff, stopping and the that's, that's why a lot of people don't like vultures. I mean, they look at vultures as, oh, vultures are gross, but vultures have the extreme role in the environment. You know, they like prevent diseases and they clean up the carry-on and the things that are left and uh, they're just amazing creatures have you ever seen a vulture up close i've I've caught a vulture in africa a wild vulture I'm going to send you Oh, that is really cool. I did. I went with that Dr. Munir Varani from, and I'm sure you know, the, the uh, Peregrine Fund. He was a, he's a raptor uh-huh. biologist there. He's actually now the president, okay. but I went to Africa to do vulture research. And so we would, during the Great Migration, so we would find wow. dead wildebeest, set up traps, basically, um, trap the vultures. You'd have to jump on them. And then we put GSM units on their back. Um, so then they could record the 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 uh, data and they basically to see how far the vultures ranges and we found out that it is extremely far because they're having issues as you know in Africa with human animal conflict and poisoning so yeah vultures are just declining at well over sixty percent because what happens is you yeah. have lions who kill a goat and then uh, you know the the Maasai will retaliate they'll poison the goat 
and then, or excuse me, poison, poison the carcass to try to kill the predators, but then the vultures come to try to scavenge and it just kills, you know, them and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I've, I've caught one. It was yeah, a, uh, a, a, uh, Rupel's vulture. Wow. That's really cool. They're, um, they're stronger than I've never think. been to Africa, but <laughs> they're so strong. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're beaks. So the, the black vultures and the turkey vultures are the two that we actually have at our facility mm-hmm. and their feet are obviously flat. So mm-hmm. they don't have the same grip strength as an eagle does Mm -hmm. um but their beaks are killer i mean they have powerful beaks so that is so cool so cool so what do you let's let's go really quick laura what what is what does challenger eat do you guys get fresh fish or is it mainly a rodent diet yeah so we we do feed all of our birds a variety of food Mm -hmm. so we do get fresh fish deliveries every so often every maybe every month um we feed all dead food to our birds okay um just it's um, but we do get a lot of as much as fresh as we can, but then we do freeze it and mm-hmm. thaw it to feed. Uh-huh. But we feed a lot of trout. Um, we feed rabbits, rat, um, not so much mice to these guys. We feed a lot of mice to our owls and to our smaller hawks and falcons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll feed day old chicks as well. Mm-hmm. So kind of a variety. You know, Challenger gets salmon typically because when we're traveling oh with him, you know, we don't. Gosh. It's hard to take fresh food from here. Yeah. So what we'll do is, as soon as we land into a big city, we'll go directly to Whole Foods. We'll we'll go to the fresh fish department and buy some fresh, never frozen, wild Alaskan caught salmon. Oh my god! And that's what he gets on the road. So he's a little bit spoiled. Oh, and he gets Fiji water too. Oh, so he does not. He gets a little spoiled. <laughs> He eats better than me. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Right? Do you ever do you ever tell the people at Whole Foods like you have no idea where the salmon's going? <laughs> oh, I love I love it. So like I'll be in the fish department and he's like, "How much fish do you need?" I'm like, "Well, I need 157 grams." And they're like, "That's really specific." And I'm like, he's like, "Are is that for you?" And I'll usually say, "Oh no, it's for an eagle." And they just <laughs> They usually either catch on, catch on that I'm actually talking about an eagle, or they're just completely confused and they ignore me. Oh, so <laughs> that's so but, funny. And I, then if they ask, I'll tell them who is it for, and tell them to Google Challenger the bald eagle. And I always try to find a way to tell them about Challenger. So that's so funny. When I go to the store, I get like kale and collard greens, and I if I had a dime for every time like the cashiers tell me some type of kale recipe, I would be a millionaire. Like I'm just like sometimes I just have to stop them and say, listen, this is not going. Like I don't care about the kale chips. <laughs> Like, like, this is going to wow. an <laughs> You can definitely tell the difference in location where you live versus where we live because most people at the register don't even know what kale is. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we're like the home of fried foods and oh, chicken and grits so and, you know, all that country fried stuff. So. I would be 500 pounds if I lived there. By the way, I love Tennessee. That area is probably one of my favorite places to, like, to visit in the United States. I love that area. Well, we're happy to have you whenever you want to come. So. Yeah. Well, how does Challenger do with travel? Because he goes to these events. I mean, is he flying next to you on the plane? Well, he is, actually. Really? So in the very beginning, we were flying Delta, and we actually had to put him in the cargo bin, which was was good. They were very willing to work with us. We were always the one handling him, putting him in ourselves, taking him off ourselves. But um, just recently, we've switched to Southwest Airlines, who – we love Southwest Airlines because they're just so accommodating for Challenger. We buy two seats for him, and he actually goes in the very front row of the aircraft in the cabin. Oh my and God. we strap him in. We strap him in with some seatbelt extenders. And before we board the plane, we always take the opportunity to get him out in the gate area 
and they let us talk on the microphone over the no loudspeaker way. and tell all the people in the gate area that, hey, this is Challenge of the Bald Eagle. He will be on your flight today to Philadelphia. So he will be in the very front row of the aircraft. And then we get the opportunity to talk about him and then talk about our foundation and then give them a chance to come up to us and ask questions before we board. Oh but it's really God. fun. I'm so happy Insane. that they do that. I'm happy yeah. they do that. It's like educational. Do you ever have some people there? Because, you know, like you get the weirdest people when you fly. Do you have some people who could just care less? And you're just like, are you kidding me? This is a bald eagle. <laughs> yeah, we get we get some crazy, like excited people. And then some people who like get terrified that the bald eagle is oh. on their flight. They <gasps> hate birds. And we've had to tell people that this bird is not going to be out in the aircraft. He will be in a kennel the entire time. So you have nothing to worry about. But. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking like what a nightmare it would be if you were terrified of birds and you're terrified of flying and you found And out. trapped in an aircraft with a bird <laughs> while in flight. That's even the worst, you know? That sounds like – I'm sorry to make fun of anyone who uh, has that, that phobia. That's awful. Oh, my God. That, that, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. Anyway, but other than that, it makes travel really easy for us, Corbin. Really, I mean, we get to take them with us through, through security, um, get to just stay with them 100% of the time. And then when we get to the hotels where we stay, you know, I know you travel with your animals, but uh -huh. since he's the only animal that we travel with, we uh -huh. give him really, you know, the best treatment possible. And we typically will try to get a room with like two double beds. Okay. And we'll cover one bed with a tarp uh -huh. and put his weathering perch, his like bow perch, uh -huh. on the bed and just let him sit there all night long. So you actually tell the hotels you have a, you have an eagle. So we typically do <laughs> make sure that they fill out pets, um, but they they're really willing to work with us. So when you tell them who we have and what, like this is Challenger, and explain to them what Challenger's role is and that he's not going to be like just gallivanting on the furniture. They, they're understanding, you know. Yeah. So the worst that happens a couple of loose little downy feathers in the room, you know, so. Yeah, we stopped telling. I mean, I don't travel with my animals anymore. I just fly back east and then meet up, you know, with people, you know, and animal ambassadors there. But back in the day, we stopped telling people because it was we, we just couldn't tell the Super 8 that a porcupine was going to be in there or a capybara or a like. <laughs> I, get that. I get it. I get it. You had a myriad of animals, too, you're traveling with. So, I mean, yeah. they might just that a little bit more well, the, um, we, so. we, yeah the one time we were doing the when we did tell the hotels we had we had one of my alligators with a sawney now he's like uh -huh. 10 feet but i remember like they put us like in the dungeon basement floor of like of the hotel oh, no so we're like let's just not open the can of worms <laughs> you should try airbnb they're pretty willing to flex with you too oh you're right that's yeah smart. and then you get the whole house to yourself that's good just make sure we have no pets or anything like that does Challenger get excited yeah. when he sees, I mean, just his wild instincts kick in when he sees like a, I don't know, another animal, maybe a prey item, or is he just so used to eating things that are dead that he's content? Yeah, he doesn't really have that prey instinct. I mean, a dog could walk by and he would just probably like, a, like a little dog could walk by and he would just be like, eh, eh really? whatever. Whereas, yeah, you know, he doesn't know how to hunt, so he doesn't okay. get that real big desire to go after him. I mean... It's crazy that when we're flying him at some stadiums, especially at stadiums where there's a lot of like pigeons, oh, uh, the yeah. pigeons will actually like attack him like in what? flight. Really? Yeah. And he just kind of just tries to fly away from them. So he has no instinct to even, you know, they they're more of a pest to him, honestly. So. Oh my goodness. That's now, right. <laughs> pigeons are a pest. Uh, Laura, where does Challenger live when he's not doing these um, these outreach programs? Does he live in an aviary, or how does that work? With other yeah, eagles. so we have 
Cool. We, yeah, we, so we have a, a large educational facility here. We have about 36 individual mews um, uh-huh. inside a big building, what we call the bird barn. And each of the bird that we have for training and education have their own room. Mm-hmm. So he has his large enclosure with a perch where he can fly around um, during the day. And this is where he lives. So we do also have aviaries. That's where our breeding pairs live. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty awesome. And then during the day while he's home, we make sure to give him his daily exercise or daily enrichment. And we'll fly him typically um, just 300 feet and just do as many flights as he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And we'll put him out in a weathering yard, which is a yard where all of our birds kind of can sit together and socialize. Um, they're obviously tethered to their individual perch, but it mm-hmm. allows them to have the sun and the wind and the rain and mm-hmm. whatever natural elements that they wouldn't be getting inside their rooms. Mm-hmm. So, Aww. so yeah, that's so cool. So how did you get into this? Like if, if I'm a listener and, and I want to be, I mean, are you a raptor biologist or what is your story? So, um, I have a degree in biology, um, but it doesn't specialize in anything specific to avian or wildlife even. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually was blessed in the fact that my father founded this organization the year I was born. So he's the founder and it was the originally, originally the, the, the president and CEO. He just retired last year. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was my in. I was always around these birds since, since literally since I was born. Wow. So I grew up around Challenger. I mean, I've worked with Challenger for 12 years, but I've mm-hmm. been around him and done events with him since I was, you know, little. So, but if, if anyone is interested in working at a facility like this, you don't have to have a specific degree, even uh-huh. at least at our facility. Mm-hmm. We like to have people who have biology degrees, uh, mm-hmm. definitely those who have been educated in that way. But really a lot of the training as far as handling and learning um, behaviors of birds and ways to train them is all on-site and on-job training. Mm-hmm. So we, we do train all of our staff here. Uh, a lot of our staff start out as volunteers. So I encourage those who are interested in working with these species maybe to start by volunteering. And you will gain a lot of knowledge just being around people who do train them. And then eventually maybe you can bring us up into a role that's a, it's a, it's paid. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's kind of how it is. So mm-hmm. now how long did, I mean, so let's pretend I'm a volunteer at the American Eagle foundation. Mm-hmm. How long is it till I'm able to graduate and hold challenger or is it just you? Ooh. That pre- <laughs> That's a tough one. No. Yeah. So we uh, require any volunteer that works that uh, volunteers to uh-huh. put in a hundred hours 100, of just okay. volunteer care, like, um, cleaning the muse, preparing the food, helping mm-hmm. out with other projects before they can even start handling even a screech owl. Really? And then they start with the smallest raptors. And as they, progress and we feel that they're progressing um it's all based on the person too because people Mm -hmm. progress at different levels and rates and then they start slowly working their way up to larger birds um now it may take you a little while to work a challenger or to handle challenger Uh but i think some of our staff you know at least work here at least six months at least maybe even a year before they even handle challenger but that we do have some other eagles who are very easy to hold Mm -hmm. um some eagles have different personalities so it may take them longer to handle this one particular eagle versus uh, this other eagle, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say, so. and you said that Challenger doesn't like some people. Does he like? Does he? <laughs> there's some handlers. Well, he's really. Um, his handlers that most of the handlers he works with, he works with about um, ten of our staff who uh-huh. work with the birds on a daily basis in the in the barn. Uh-huh. Um, but there are certain people that if Challenger that if they walk up to Challenger, he'll definitely signify that don't come any closer and whereas somebody else could walk by and he wouldn't even he wouldn't even care you know so 
Oh my gosh. He's, I'm sorry, he's, and you can't see, you know, watching this, but he's so inquisitive. Have you, has he ever, I mean, I, I'm sure, has, have you, has he ever bit you before? Oh yeah. yeah oh was, yeah. He's bit me. Yeah. Even me who he trusts, he will bite me. Um, if I have my hand closed or he thinks that I might have food, I mean, he associates the hand with food. Of course. So, um, he may want to go and bite that hand right now. I mean, he could care less. He's more probably in just in This is an inquisitive look right here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah. Just showing him my hand. I have nothing in my hand. Um, but he's bit me before for sure. Um, and so we, we tell people never pet birds of prey. They, they're not pets. They're predators. Yeah. So it's just not safe to pet them. Um, and also our oils on our fingers are not good for their feathers. They have a, uh-huh. a web, they have an oil that they distribute on their feathers that makes their feathers waterproof. Uh-huh. And our oils on our skin actually takes away those oils. Okay. So. Interesting. So I'm sure he's, he's drawn blood before when he's bit you, correct? He has. Yeah. He's, he's drawn blood a couple of times. Um, probably more in a defensive way. Uh-huh. Um, Probably wasn't doing it just to because he wanted to hurt me, but you know, you never know. So there's de- he's definitely ornery on some days, and some days he's a little bit more attitude than others. So uh-huh. he definitely I, has a personality. So I was bit. I was holding a or feeding a, a Eurasian eagle owl named Wally at the Peregrine Fund, and he got my thumb, and it was like, and we were oh. on camera. So I'm just like, ah, you know, I didn't say anything, but in my mind, I'm like, oh my god, this is. I'm like, he bit me. <laughs> it, like it's it's shocking to that pressure, that beak right there. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure that was a blooper for you, huh? Yeah, it was fun. You could go it on YouTube. But I was like, I'd like to see your face when that happened. I, I would have been YouTube. like shocked. I it just you know, and it wasn't my fault. I was you know, he, I was feeding him, and he just you know, and he just went all in for the rat, and he just you know, the pieces of rat, and just yeah. Got my thumb in the midst of it all, but yeah, that was a, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> what you really want to be careful of is their beak can draw blood, but really, if they get you with the talons, yeah, oh, that really is where it, when it hurts really bad. So yeah, you got to watch that. There's a thousand pounds of pressure per square inch in each foot. A thousand pounds of that's, pressure. That's like equivalent to the the bite of a lion. So, oh my goodness! Crazy. So that's just so. wow, wow. They're just and people. And people have a misconception, too, that bald eagles can pick up these large creatures like babies or small children. Mm-hmm. And in reality, they can only lift about half their body, body weight. So really? Challenger seven pounds. So he could probably only lift about a three and a half pound fish out of the water. Okay. Um, so, so a lot of times you might see eagles um, in, in videos where they're going down to pick up fish and they're too large. Uh-huh. So they'll kind of they'll drag them to the side. And fish um, and eagles also do swim. I don't know if you knew that. They can no. swim. What? They do more of a breaststroke type motion like this, but they can swim as long as they're not too saturated or in the water too long. They can definitely get back to shore if they were to miss size a fish when they were going down and realize they just can't lift it out uh-huh. and they have to let go. Um, but sometimes they'll even. Um, I've heard that that even they even won't let go of the fish if it's too big and it'll cause drowning because they're just that, that mechanism that grasp they don't want to uh-huh. let go. Um, and it can bring them down even. So, so do they not have as much strength then as something like a golden eagle? Because, I mean, the golden eagles will take down foxes, even young deer. I mean, so or do they not have as much strength? Is that what you're getting at? Um, golden eagles are just built differently. They're able to take down larger predators. Um, one, that's what they typically would dine on. Yeah. And, uh, golden, but uh, and bald eagles, they, they normally eat fish mainly. So they yeah. don't have as big of a, th- a prey to, to capture. So And golden eagles will a lot of times take the, take the animal out. They still, too, can't lift that much weight. Yeah. They can take the animal out and then 
from there they can go down and, and get what they need to and be able to carry off what they need to. Now, well, and I don't know if this is a stupid question, but my teacher, my first grade teacher said, Corbin, there's nothing such thing as a stupid question. Uh, well, they actually intermingle the golden eagle and the, the, and the, the, the bald eagles together. Yeah, I mean, you've seen elite eagles in Alaska. Of they, there's a lot of eagles in the same area, but they do get very territorial also, especially a pair of breeding eagles. Now, if they haven't made it yet, they are a little bit more social in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um, but but when they become when it's breeding season and they're actually made it up, that's when they become more territorial and will get they wouldn't get along so well. So yeah. And- I was telling my dad that when we were a kid, I grew up in Roby Creek, Idaho, so in the middle of the mountains, and every time we would pass this reservoir and they had this really old tree, and we'd always see bald eagles, and we always assumed mm-hmm. other, you know, golden eagles, but I'm pretty sure, I was telling him, you know, looking back, those were probably just young bald eagles. I don't think they were just all hanging out together in the same tree. Yeah, I mean, young bald eagles are a lot, oftentimes misrepresented as golden eagles. Uh-huh. Right? People often misconfuse them because they are all brown, mm-hmm. and they have even a brown beak. Mm-hmm. So from afar, you wouldn't you know, be able to see clearly the orange beak, the yellow orange beak and the white head. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, people do oftentimes say, Oh, I see a golden Eagle, but it's actually a juvenile bald Eagle. Yeah. I was thinking that's probably what we saw, you know, growing up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Their eyes are even all, all dark. They don't have that yellow around their eyes either. So that doesn't develop their white head, white tail, and then the, the yellowing color in their feet and their beak and their eyes start to develop um, about three years old. And then by the time they're five, they're fully white headed and white tailed and, just look like a bald eagle. Is it a rough life for a bald eagle out in the wild? It is. I mean, 50%, the statistic is 50% of the bald eagles that leave the nest um, Uh at at 12 weeks of age do not survive their first year. They die. Really? Yeah, just out of uh, lack of um, knowledge how to hunt or they can't properly scavenge because a lot of times they'll begin as scavengers because they Mm. don't really know how to hunt yet. They they only have the instinct. They have instinct, but again, they still have to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so once they get past that first year, though, they pretty much have a pretty good chance at surviving for a pretty good life. Okay, fifty percent. So. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And how many yeah. are in a nest? Like how many chicks or eaglets are um, usually um, hatch? Typically, a, a pair of eagles will lay one to three eggs. One to three. Um, okay. I, one to three. So in, in a lot of times the pair, if they are normally lay three, they'll lay three every year. Okay. So, and then if they're only used to laying two, they'll lay two every year. So mm-hmm. we have a, a pair of eagles here that's consistently laid three every year, but then some of our other pairs will only lay two. Some will only lay one. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so that's typically, and they only, they only do that once a year, mm-hmm. um, normally. So, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That is just, I'm sorry, I just can't get over This is so majestic. Laura, thank, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time and for holding a bald eagle for almost an hour. <laughs> I, oh, that's nothing. That's I'm nothing you, at all? You, yeah, when he, well, if I, we take him to a lot of shows and I have to start doing like this number where I'm holding oh, my other man. hand, you know, but uh, we trade off, but he's, he's good. I mean, he's an awesome bird. He is um, one of a kind, I'll tell you right now. He's definitely awesome. And have you, I don't know if you've, do you tune into the, any of our live nest cams, Corbin? I have not. I had a meeting yesterday. I have not, but I definitely need to check that out. I've seen this stuff on Instagram, though, so tell my listeners about that. Yeah. Yeah, so we have um, several nest locations in the United States where we have a live, amazing cameras on the nest that stream 24-7 oh, so yes, with I, IR. Yeah, yes, so I we have, have one. 
Yeah, Florida. So we have one in Florida. Uh, it's Northeast Florida Nest. Okay. Um, and then we have one in Washington, D.C. called Mr. President and the First Lady. That's the name of the pair. Okay. And then we have two here in, in, in our local town. But we just are getting ready for the season up in D.C. They're building their nest, doing their nest durations, and we should see eggs very soon. So that's a bit of very popular, popular camera. I think the first year it went live, we had like 60 million views, but yes. it's been really po popular because of the, obviously it's in our nation's capital and the Eagles are Mr. President and the first lady. So really awesome. So if, if you don't watch it, I would encourage you and, and the viewers and your listeners to also tune in for sure. I so. have done that. That was in Florida. The famous, that was the famous webcam in Florida of the bald Eagles. I have seen that. That was like, it went viral. Yeah. There are two, there are two in Florida. So there's one Harriet, Harriet in the Southwest. And okay. then we have Romeo and Juliet and that's ours. <laughs> so now did you see, this is a little off topic. I know you've probably seen this, but that viral video of that osprey nest and ha of the bald Eagle coming in and taking that young osprey on the webcam. I have not seen that. <gasps> you haven't seen that. It had oh. never been caught on camera. It was like, it's kind of a, I mean, it is nature. It's very raw, but that's how nature is. But they, you have the offspray, the chicks are in the nest and this and that. And a bald eagle just comes in and bam, grabs one. And I'm, I'm going to send I you that Google video. That. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that something similar happened to our nest in Florida, Corbin. So we actually, our nesting season in Florida is in the late fall. Uh -huh. um, our, our pair, Romeo and Juliet laid, um, laid two eggs mm -hmm. and they were scheduled to hatch on Christmas day. Uh -huh. Um, and, and it was a lot of drama in the nest. It's crazy. It's crazy what's been happening down there. But on Christmas Day, one of the babies hatched. Uh -huh. And that same day, a, a rogue eagle that was not part of the pair at all flew in, grabbed the baby, killed it, and took it away oh, on live cam. No. So it was it was awful to see. But that's a similar situation. Another eagle came into an eagle's nest and took the baby and, and killed it. And that was an emotional thing for our viewers because Christmas Day surprise. Hallelujah. Oh. And then all of a sudden, Christmas Day tragedy at oh. the same time. Yeah. So it was awful. But again, we always explain to people the purpose of these cams is to show you real life. What happens in the wild? This is nature. And we can't control nature. And this is probably what happens at more nests than we even know. I was going to say, it must be something more common than we think. I mean, we're just now capturing yeah. it. Exactly. I mean, we've only had these live nest cams for the past, you know, not even a decade yet. So, I mean, there's probably been a lot more crazy things happening. So, but it's all about the education. People need to learn about the life of a bald eagle, the life cycle of bald eagle and what happens out there in the wild. So, yeah, I agree. Now, if I'm a listener, the best way to see challenger is, is, is it going to Dollywood to see the, see the bird show? Is that the best way? Well, Challenger actually doesn't go to Dollywood ever. He, he never doesn't goes go to Dollywood. Mm -hmm. really? No, because he travels so much, so we don't use him in our show over there. Um, but if you do want to see Challenger, um, obviously you can follow us on our Instagram and Facebook. We post stories all the time. So we'll uh -huh. show our training sessions with our birds. Mm -hmm. And then Challenger travels a lot. And so okay. we do a lot of our live broadcasts on Twitch mm -hmm. with Challenger. So we'll go and we'll take the camera and we'll basically follow Challenger through the airports, show oh, everybody wow. what he's doing. It's really cool if they want to see where he's going and what his next event is. Um, and that's we have a we have a channel called the American Eagle Foundation on Twitch TV. And okay. then lastly, they can actually come here and get a tour of our facility. And, really? 
and they can hope that Challenger is in town on, on their tour date. But we do do tours, and they can come visit us here in Pigeon Forge. That's awesome. And so. you and I are working together because we're going to – I want to collaborate for a national appearance. So that's in the talk. So I know that we'll – I know that I will meet you in Challenger in the future, which I cannot wait. I hope so. Yeah, I yeah. hope so. Yeah. That, no, I will. I'll let we you know. We look forward to it. Yeah. yeah. Now, I have a question, and this is from my mom, okay? Because she's obsessed yeah. with Dolly Parton. Has Challenger ever met Dolly Parton? Oh, many times. <laughs> many times. Yes. So yeah, they mom- just did a. Yeah, they just did a whole. You need to tell your mom. We did. They did a whole Hallmark segment with Dolly Parton, what? and Challenger was featured in it. So if you want to probably Google that, you can show your mom. <laughs> okay, and my mom will probably would want to ask Challenger how was Dolly in person? Was she super nice to you guys? I will tell you right now, I've met Dolly too, and I would, I'll attest for Challenger, but she is a very nice lady, super genuine. She's so nice, very caring. And what you see on TV is what you get in person. She's just all around an amazing person. Oh, wow. That's really good to know. Yeah. She looks pretty genuine. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell my mom, she's a big fan of the podcast. So I'll tell her that you said that. (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad. That's awesome. Bring your mom down to Dolly Parton's world down here. Oh, she would love that. Yeah. We would love that. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you once again. Any last words you want to say to my listeners? I just want to thank you guys for uh, listening to me for this hour. And I'd love for you guys to check us out on eagles.org. That's our website. Um, You can find out any information about us there and come visit us and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. Please make sure to hit subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps me out. I also encourage you to check out CorbinMaxi.com. You can contact me there personally, even suggest a podcast guest, or if you just want to learn more about animals.